Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, it doesn't mean you and I are misfits tonight, but it just means that you and I really have nothing to offer God except ourselves. And we're human. We're frail. We don't have a lot of gifts. We don't have a lot to really offer God. So what is God going to do? He's going to work through us and do amazing things through us. So who gets the glory? God. The world looks at us. They look at us tonight. And they look at you and what God's doing through you. And they go, I know that person. That's impossible. That can't be. One of the hard things about being a Christ follower while living in this world is the pressure to compare your accomplishments to those around you. Maybe you see yourself as a relative failure because your peers seem to have attained more success or notoriety than you have. Well, Pastor Mark will be reminding you that using the world standard is the wrong one for you to use. You need to be using God's standard. He reminds you that he didn't choose the most talented or charismatic people for his kingdom. He chose you. And he chose you so that he would get the credit for what he's making you into. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's message. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 22 as we continue in this series called The Life of David. Now go back to 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. How did God answer the prayers we just read? Remember, David wrote this in the cave. He just didn't write this to be writing. He's praying. God, I need your help. I'm in a tight spot here. I don't know what to do. I'm all alone. I can't find any way out of this. What's next for me, God? That was the prayer he prayed. So when we go back to 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, notice what happens. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader, about 400 men who were with him. So, remember I told you God answers our prayers in his timing, his way. What happened to David? Initially, he's all alone in this cave. So, what does God send to him? 400 men. You'll see in a moment, David's family's with those people. But when you look at this, what kind of resumes do these men have? I mean, David's in trouble. He feels lonely. So what's God send him? Well, look at the team he sends him. The original word means they were distressed. That means they were stressed out. Thank you, Jesus. I need 400 men that are stressed out. 
I'm glad I'm fine. The next ones. He sends foreigner men and they're in debt. They're saying, where's the next meal? Well, didn't you bring something with it? No, we don't have anything. How many are there of you? 400. Thank you, Jesus. Number two. And the third meaning of the word discontented, an interesting meaning in the original language, it means they had been mistreated and they were bitter. Now, just think about this for a moment. Would you call that the B team or the Y team or the X team? or Where's the A team? That's who God sends. Their resumes are a disaster. What a disaster. Now, why were these people like this? Well, this gives us a picture of what was happening in the country of Israel. Remember, Saul is a madman. He'd been overtaxing people all over the country. So there was despair and was depression. And these people had had it. They were depressed, stressed out, in debt, mistreated, bitter about it. There was no hope. And so they somehow, God, by the way, David didn't pray for them to come, but that's going to be God's solution. David didn't go out and say, is there anybody who wants to join me? God put it in the heart of these people. He directed them there. So they were here and God moved them from here to there because David was alone. Now, when these men come, this misfit bunch, they were hoping for one thing, that David would eventually lead the nation different, better. They were looking to the future. Interestingly, they came to David to find refuge for their own lives. In what cave were they in? The cave of refuge. So as they come, basically I can hear God saying to David, I like my answer to your prayer, David. You got to put yourself in the story a little bit. Come on. God, why'd you send me? Who are these men? So when David sees these 400 people come to him, he has a choice. Would David walk out and go, uh, I'm not your guy. You got more problems than I got. Go back to the country because there's nothing I can do for you. Or would God say to David, you got the wrong cave. That's the guy next door that needs these people. I don't want these people. Or would David understand that God's ways are not our ways? Would David understand that this very cave would be the beginning of amazing training for these misfits? Well, we know eventually the answer is David submitted to the will of God. David took what God sent him. It's a really good illustration for us tonight. David took what God sent him. And eventually this 400 men of misfits ended up, and we see it all through the Bible, they end up as 600 high-quality, elite, fighting men. Amazing. you got to understand this. When these men came, they didn't see any future for themselves, really. Their hope was in David. Not much for them. David looked at him and went... <laughs> But what did God see? God knew all along. You see, when God picked Peter, 
he knew the potential that was in Peter. Now, the other 12 went, you got to be kidding me. But was God right? God was right. You need to understand tonight, you have amazing potential in you. God made you for a purpose. And you may not see it, but God sees it. Our future is in God's hands. You parents that have teenagers, be praying over them. Linda just flew out for a few days to visit our grandkids in Denver. And I said to her before I put her on the plane, you pray for those grandkids. You get them around you and you pray for them. Guys, be praying for your children and your grandchildren. They have amazing potential to turn this world upside down for Jesus Christ. See, God knew the future. These men will turn into the elite force. David didn't know it. But God's A plan is always the plan that's going to work. That was God's answer. It's an amazing answer. Now, as we look at this, it brings back a scripture principle that you and I need to understand. Keep your finger right there. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Bible is so rich with application. Now, here are these men, distressed, in debt, bitter. It looks like nothing you could make anything out of. But Paul tells us the very same principle in 1 Corinthians. Go down to chapter 1, down to verse 26. Paul speaking to the church. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why? Verse 29, so that no one may boast before him. You see, once again, in the New Testament, we're reminded of what just happened with David. God loves to use nobodies. You can imagine if Saul knew initially who the names of these people were that went to David, he'd get his men around and start laughing. This is a group of nobodies. These are misfits. They're useless. That's his army. We got them. Not a problem. But why does God do this? Now, it doesn't mean you and I are misfits tonight, but it just means that you and I really have nothing to offer God except ourselves. And we're human. We're frail. We don't have a lot of gifts. We don't have a lot to really offer God. So what is God going to do? He's going to work through us. And do amazing things through us. So who gets the glory? God. The world looks at us. They look at us tonight. And they look at you and what God's doing through you. And they go, I know that person. That's impossible. That can't be. And I've often thought, I don't know whether I'll do it. My my 50th year high school reunion is this uh, summer. I don't know whether I'll get up for a day or two. But to go up there would be exciting. They're going to say, this little shrimp. Although I was the first exchange student to Germany from the high school ever in the history of the school. So that was cool. I I could go up there and just and say to them, you know what? What do you do? 
I'm just, I'm a pastor. Pastor, yeah. Well, we have like four campuses and 9,000 people every weekend. And I get the privilege of teaching them. You? I would agree with them. Me? But it's not about me. God uses the foolish things. Careful, you're going to have your chance in a moment. Don't laugh too much. God uses the foolish thing to what? Confound the wise. What in the world is a hospital pharmacist doing teaching the Bible? I should be giving drugs to you guys, starting IVs. I am the powerful word of God. Hallelujah. See, that's, that, that is what confounds the world. Because it's not man. It's the power of God in man. You understand that. So don't worry when you testify. Don't worry when you give, uh, share the gospel. It's not your, your abilities. It's the power of the word of God that goes forth, changes people's lives. Now, we know that because John 15 reminds us that we're just branches in a living vine. Without him, we're nothing. You know this, but I just want to put it in again. God loves nobody's. And loves to use nobodies. That's just our God tonight. That's just our God tonight. MacArthur says this. The world measures greatness by many standards. At the top are intelligence, wealth, prestige, and position. Things which God has determined to put at the bottom of the list. God reveals the greatness of his power by demonstrating that it is the world's nobodies that are his Somebody's. Would you do something tonight since I've already done it? Just turn to your neighbor and say, Hi, nobody. Go ahead, just turn to your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> now you say back to them, But I'm a somebody with God. Go ahead. Amen. We are. We're somebodies because God, what? He lives. He lives within us. So God loves to use those. Somebody has said one time, why does God love to use nobodies? It's all he has. Is that right? That's all he has. It's just us. And so when we succeed, we know who gets the glory. We know that when we succeed with God's power and ability, God looks good. And the world absolutely will know that. So what does God do? In answer to David's cries, he brings into his life 400 nobodies that will become amazing somebodies. Back to 1 Samuel 22, 2. We're moving right along in the chapter. Notice in this verse 2, all those who were in distress and debt and discontented gathered around them And he became their, circle the word, leader. He became their leader. You see, David was gifted by God to be a leader. Now, that doesn't make us any better than anyone else. Remember, we're just nobodies, all of us. But these men came to David because they needed a leader. They needed a leader, in contrast to Saul, that they could respect and follow and believe in. 
it's good that they didn't know what had just happened because that would have been a question mark in their mind. But see, when we talk about ourselves, you need to understand what happened. This was not by accident. In this next statement, if you don't know this, you need to know it. And then, of course, we need to teach this to our children as well. God created people to need leaders. Because initially, all of us are followers. We're all followers. Every one of us follow other individuals. And, of course, we're followers of God. But there has to be a leader. And that doesn't mean anything other than that's the gift That's the gift that God gives some people. They're not any better than anybody else because every leader is also a follower. Remember, Romans chapter 12 talks us about the gift of leadership. Let me just uh, give you a snippet of what that is. You might wonder if you have the gift of the leader. The God-given ability to influence, motivate, organize, and direct people to accomplish God's goals. Let me say that again. The God-given ability, it's not something man works up, went to one one school of leadership, to influence, motivate, organize, and direct people to accomplish God's goals, not man's goals. So God gives certain people this leadership gift to move people from here to there. And as that happens... Remember, every real leader is also a real follower. I'm submitted to people, just as you're submitted to the leadership of this church. So God is going to use David because he's given him that ability to be the leader and to build an amazing team, which in the end will do exactly what God wanted to make God look good, to get the nation back into worshiping God. So I don't know what everybody's gift is, but remember, we're all unique. We're all nobodies that become somebody because God puts a gift in us. Romans 12, 5 says this. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. We're family here tonight. And each member belongs to the other. So we're interconnected. How this thing works is because we're all functioning together. There's some leaders Many more followers than leaders. If you have lots of leaders and no followers, forget it. There's many followers. But every leader is also submitted to God and submitted to others as followers. So that is a gift that has nothing to do with worth. We're all nobodies who become somebody when we flow together with God. And so from there, you're going to see what God's going to do. They've chosen him to be the leader. So this is how these 400 men are going to get trained because there's a a leader that's going to lead them. Now, be careful, and I want to say this in the kind way. You say, well, I, I I want to be a leader. I want to be a spiritual leader. Be careful. God says that not many are called because the responsibility is not just for a few. It's for everybody that God puts under your leadership. I will stand, as will the other pastors and elders in this church, before God, and give, I have more responsibility than you, because I have your spiritual souls, as Hebrews tells us, in my hands. Not that I make the decisions, but if I'm not doing things correctly, if I'm not challenging you, if I'm I'm beating you and discouraging you, then I'm going to answer for that. So there's great weight on every pastor. 
That's why you need to pray for your pastors. Because we have that weight. We talked about it today in the, in the staff. We have that weight of the ministry. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's just there. It's a tremendous responsibility that any pastor that's worth anything feels, knows, 24-7, never leaves. It's a weight. But we are able to cast it on the Lord. And we have wonderful people that serve with us. So understand that. Don't, don't be asking for a gift that you don't have because you don't want it unless God gifts you with it. Understand? Pray for us as we pray for you. Now, go back to verse 3. Oh, you're right there. Look at verse 3. What's going to happen next? From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab. And that's uh, across the uh, Dead Sea. Uh, today it would be Jordan. And said to the king of Moab, won't you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. So what is David doing? Well, his, his parents, who were some of the people that came, because they were in danger, they came to David because of King Saul. They came to David, and uh, David knows pretty much his life is going to be running in the wilderness. And if you've been to Israel, you kind of know what some of that is like. It's a pretty rough area. Rocks everywhere. Rocks, 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 rocks. And so David knows that that's going to be impossible for his parents. They can't follow him. They're too aged. It isn't going to happen. So David takes them to this assisted living facility in Florida. I mean to Moab. (laughs) And, And he takes them there. And amazingly, he takes him to the king of Moab. Now, the king of Moab is really an enemy of Israel. But the king of Moab is really an enemy of King Saul more than he is David. Now, the other thing that we don't know how it all worked, remember David's great-grandmother, Ruth, was a Moabite. So there's some, that family kind of tie that came in there. And somehow, God orchestrated it that his parents would be safe there because they really weren't against David. David isn't anything at the moment, you know, especially if you take some of his 400 men with him, they go, yeah, okay, no problem with you. These guys aren't going to do anything. So God orchestrated it. David took care of his parents, and now he can go back. Look at verse 5. But the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. So he's going to move them out. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. Now, remember one part of David's prayer? Guide me. Direct me. I don't know where to go. Where's the path I should go to? Here it is. Here's David. Once he's got his parents secured, he returns to the cave of Adullam. And basically what's probably rolling around in David's mind is... What am I going to do with these 400 guys in the cave? How in the world is this all going to work? And the next thing, somehow, God sends this prophet Gad to give David all the answers he needs. The very next step to take. Pastor Mark taught today about David's condition of solitude. Even though David is alone, God is working behind the scenes. He will bring a ragtag group of people to him and make them into a mighty military force. It's really easy to feel like God's abandoned you, but just like he did for David, he's taking care of you. All you have to do is call out to him and trust him. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching about David's cave experience and God's bringing people to him. You will hear more about how God began to mold David's leadership qualities and to use him to model godliness to the men around him. You will learn about how one of David's lies results in a huge tragedy and how fear deceives Saul into doing evil things. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.